0: You're listening to the Art of Move podcast, hosted by Dr. William Raybar and Anthony Manuel, where we attempt to create a grand unified theory of human movement, biomechanics, and training. If you enjoy these episodes, you can watch them streamed live on nofilter.net, where you can interact directly and have all your questions answered in real time. In five, four, three, two... One, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 36 of The Art of Move with myself, Anthony Manuel, my good friend, Dr. William Raybar. We are here joined today by Buster the Strongman, a super inspiring dude who I am so stoked to have on here with us. Uh, Buster, you're a go-to coach, you're a certified personal trainer, and you're living with cerebral palsy. And just watching all the stuff that you're able to do and all the stuff that you've been able to do through your training has been super, super inspiring to see. Uh, For people who are listening who don't know what cerebral palsy is, can you kind of give a definition of what it is and what it's like living with that?
1: Okay, I'll be glad to do that. Um, First of all, I'm Busted strong Strongman. I'm 30 years old and I'm stationed out in Atlanta, Georgia, and I live and train with cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy is a neurological uh, condition mainly um, caused by uh, premature birth. And it's the part of the brain, the cerebral cortex, that's damaged or affected. Uh, affected during the birth, uh, gestation period. So, the part of the brain that controls and affects movement, it got damaged during, while well before my mom gave birth to me and my twin brother, prematurely.
2: so what was it like um growing up with that was it it was hard to use your body and um i'm assuming that your your parents had to had to help you out where did that um physical journey start for you
1: um i would like to say my physical journey started very early one of the things i had to well my parents made sure of is that I learned how to do things the way I had to learn how to do them. They pushed and encouraged me to be as independent as possible. And my dad taught me things. My brother taught me things. My sister taught me things. So I want to say it was a very collective effort. And my passion for being in fitness and being in the gym all stem from my parents one, wanting all three of us to have um, active lives, and as I went through physical therapy, as I grew up around the house being with my family and them teaching me things, they empowered me to um, have as much independence as possible, and I believe that's important.
0: Mm, absolutely, and I mean that—that's there's there's a mindset that i mean you can you can develop that is either i can't do this because of the conditions that i'm in or i'm just going to have to find a different way to do it right and it sounds like your parents really encourage you to always try to find the way that you could do things you know no matter how you had to do them
1: and um it all really stems from um my great grandma miss ruby skelton she told my mom when they took me to the hospital and diagnosed me at the market center in Atlanta that I had cerebral palsy, she told my mother to never treat me like something was wrong with me. Because mm. if she did, if she made that choice, I would believe in my head that something was wrong with me. But uh, but that that little piece of advice from my great-grandmother to my mother that really shaped and molded how I came to be who I am today. So I'm thankful for my great grandmother.
0: That's amazing. Um, so you you obviously started physical therapy when you were pretty young, and you know you're now a certified personal trainer. You, you you're wearing the go-to hat as well. Um, what's a little bit of your movement history like? What sort of challenges were you facing, and how did you kind of approach them? from uh from that physical training perspective
1: um i really want to say i came and i still have a um, strength training background so strength training was really big for me because as i grew i wanted to play sports and i was a high school wrestler i won only one match right. out of four years but um Going through that, losing over and over again, it really taught me that I really had to fight for what I really wanted to accomplish. Nothing was going to come easy for me overnight, so after graduating high school and my parents not being able to afford physical therapy anymore, I was kind of left to my own devices, so to speak. So, at that time, YouTube was getting popular. This is around 2009, 2010. And I started to look around, and I was like, how am I going to keep myself in shape? You know, I'm not in weight training anymore. How am I going to do this at home? And I don't have the resources to join a gym, so what am I going to do? And I started typing in exercises for people with CP, and I couldn't find anything. So, Hmm. I had an iPod, an iPod touch fourth generation. I had uh the internet at my house and I was like, hmm, maybe if I start recording myself and posting them on YouTube, then maybe I can um cultivate or create some type of library for myself. And over time one of my handstand push-up videos got seen by this guy named Ross Enamite. He was really popular yes. in this industry, yep. and he posted he posted my story on his page on his blog. And my handstand push-up video went from a hundred views at the time to three thousand in about three weeks. So he really put me on the map. And I started to create my own content around 2014, 2015. And then there was a point where I graduated college in 2016. And I worked full-time for the College Football Hall of Fame. And I was still working out. I was still chugging along, doing my thing. But with me working the full-time and having the full load and dealing with CP... I wasn't able to work out as much as I wanted to, so mm. then fast forward to tw- 26, 2017, 2018 I was going through depression. Still working out, but I felt like I was hitting a plateau because I felt like I was getting stronger, but I was maintaining my um. I was maintaining what I was building, but I wasn't seeing any improvements but on a fateful day i want to say 20 i want to say 2019 i want to say august or september 2019 um cody sean aka cody wood he he was a professor at Gota. he slid in my dm after seeing a video of me pushing tires and whatever and uh he was like do you know any of my professor coaches, my coaching friends, uh, Ricky and, uh, Gary and Gilly and some of the other master coaches of go And I was like, no, nah, don't know him." you know, I was like, who's this guy? He was like, I want to help you, man. I want to help you walk. And, you know, before then, you know, I was in the tub, taking a bath. I was just soaking. I was at a real low point, And I was like, Lord, I'm never going to walk. I'm never going to you know, achieve my ultimate goal, you know, you know, because that's one of my dreams. I want to walk. I want to run. Da-da-da-da. Get out the tub. Cody hits my phone. And I'm like, I don't know this guy. He's all the way up in Montana telling me he can help me move better. Like, who is this guy? Who are these go-to people? I'm like, okay. I'm at the end of my rope, so I'm going to give it a shot. Let's see. And I was like, uh, set up a call with him. And I was like, I'm not gonna have to lift any heavy weights now. Like, he was like, No, you can be on the ground like how you are now. I'm like, Really? And uh, he was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he kind of talked me into it. So I started doing it. Go, uh, Cody gave me a few stretches and a few groundwork drills, and uh, safe to say, the rest is history.
2: That's- and that's- um. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah and um the rest is history and from there um my brand strongman changed from me just getting people to work out which is still the main objective and the main goal but i want to help people recover i want to help people heal i want people to be able to rehabilitate and i want the listeners out there to understand that i train so that people and i do things so that people can become more functional so that the things that they do in their lives are much easier and that's my that's my ultimate goal
2: that's an incredible story um let's elaborate on that so you you hooked up with um uh, Cody and you did a- few sessions and then you became a coach I assume you went down to Louisiana I saw on your Instagram profile could you give a little insight on you know what happened down there how you were uh embraced or what the process was like down there
1: man lab weekend was sweet (laughs) I gotta say I never ever in my life flew on a plane by myself and I was like, wow, I'm going out here by myself. I'm taking a risk. I'm going out here on a whim. And I can pretty much say certification weekend was all love, and we just really assessed each other's movement patterns, and we really studied the gait. And a lot of people get go to misconstrued. They want to say that we're mean or we're coming off as condescending. But here's the thing that we're, I want to say, we're amped up, we're fired up about. We're fired up about these catastrophic injuries on these teams. Do you know in um, NASA's book, the National Academy, Academy of Sports Medicine, in their book, it says that the majority of these ACL tears and non-contact injuries, 70% of them occur between the ages of 15 to 25 and knee replacements and hip replacements all those things are going up in spite of modern technology and what goda is trying to do is we're trying to figure out why and how well we know the the answer of why they're going up but we want to fix them we want people to be healthy. We want people to heal. There's no reason a 15-year-old or a 25-year-old should have a knee replacement. There's no reason a 35-year-old should have a walker, in in my opinion, when there's practically a much safer way to um, to work out without putting heavy loads of weight on your back and injuring yourself because your spine's compressed.
2: Well, in terms of your personal training, you said that before GoDa, you were doing uh, weightlifting. Was there and anything- strength training. And strength training. Was there anything in that paradigm that really helped you out? Or do you think that a lot of it was wasted time compared to what you're doing now? What do you, what do you think about that?
1: I would never say anything is wasted time because um, what we learn at one period in our lives can always translate over into another period. So I feel like it can it can always carry over. But the thing is, with me, I wasn't paying attention to my knees are collapsing or my head's too far over or the position of the body. And that's what Godot really... Um, really help set in place for me. I need to have my feet straight I need to have my head in the right area because if I move over too far my energy is not gonna be in the right space so I can absorb the proper the proper um, proper feedback necessary and um, what else and I could also say, that Gota has taught me that even with being in physical therapy, I believe that I could have benefited from crawling a lot longer than I did. Because to me, I feel like physical therapy, it gets you to a certain point and then it's on to the next person. And it's not necessarily built, to be used for long-term maintenance, for, for, I want to say, Gota is built for uh, long-term maintenance. I'm always on the ground. I'm always going back to these indigenous patterns that our parents learned, that our ancestors learned, to um, really rebuild the shape and really fine-tune our natural birthright of moving in the patterns that we should move so that we can continue to be saving the world's connective tissue. So
2: what I what I heard there was that um with Gota you got much more specific with each part of your body. Now Mm -hmm. for you having a neurological condition, this sounds very important to be very, very specific with what you're doing. Is that what you found? Um and maybe you can go into specifics on that. Like let's say you're you know your default foot position your default uh um femur position, how that has changed, so maybe we can go up the body or however you like to parse it out and and give us an insight on your see feel there
1: yes, um goda is really a um see and feel system, and I understand it more so more so than other people from a feeling standpoint. Gota um really helped me gain access to feeling knowing what my hips feel like, having correct foot position, uh resting in the Caesar pose and doing child rockers with my toes in and my heels away, you know, understanding how I was how I'm supposed to generate power and motion from my hips. And before that I sat in what's called a W sitting position. Mm. Um, if you would look up W sitting, you would see the um inside ankle bones driven into the ground and your um your hips being pulled away from your uh your midline of your core and that really destroys your hips. That, the W sitting position really distor- destroys your hips so when I got into the saver position and the crisscross applesauce position and the half crawl, the half kneel slash cowboy position, that really helped me get more organized and really helped help, uh, synchronize my uh, movement patterns and that's pretty much what I'm working on I- I'm really gaining access to new areas i i can feel my feet i know what i know what they feel like now and for recently recently was the first time i have i actually felt blood flow through my leg you know so it's a bunch of stuff that i'm just now getting used to after not having access
2: That's yeah easy. we got oops. um sorry go, go ahead. ahead anthony
0: no no after you after you
2: um so let's say before you started goda were your legs splayed out in the like external or internal position so i'm going to assume they were internal and yeah working on accessing the external is that a pattern across your body
1: yes 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 so in goda we like to um that external position you're saying is uh it's called the bow. And right now, my, my hips are stuck in an internal position. So when I squat, my knees knock together. But I need to push them out. So I'm working in the child rocker's position each and every single day to gain access to my hips. And I no longer have. Lower back pain, thanks to hmm. the resting patterns and the basic positions of
0: doing go for about two years. So for people who are listening and they're they're hearing, it's like you're. it sounds like you're prioritizing a lot of resting positions and accessing better ground resting positions alone. If you were going to explain to someone how, how does you know changing the way that you rest organize different movement patterns, how would you explain that to them?
1: Changing the way how I rest. Resting is so, so important for me. Like I was saying, how I've been trying to fight the W sitting position. Um, Being in the SESA position and the child rockers, that puts your feet directly, um, directly up under your hips. So everything is organized properly. And if you go back and look at, the Indians and some of the ancient tribes, you'll see that they rest in these same various positions. And you'll also see that those same tribes and our parents and grandparents and things like that, they don't necessarily have those same injuries or issues or the patterns that you see. The more industrialized American and the Western society has come, the further and further we go away from those natural resting patterns. And Mm -hmm. I know um, sitting in chairs is leisure and it's a little bit bit more, uh, uh, I want to say, conducive. But when we get away from those natural resting patterns and we start to and we start to um, sleep on our stomachs or lay flat on our backs, that does nothing but compress the spine. And if you even look at you know pictures of the babies in the books, when they're in the womb, they're laying on their side. So it's the fetal position. That's a natural resting position. And even I've gotten back to sleeping in the fetal position because it allows myself to recharge overnight as I rest. And I don't wake up having sleep issues and insomnia and things like that.
0: Mm, so so sleeping in the right postures can actually assist your sleep and can help in like insomnia issues. Hmm.
2: Interesting. So I've, I've found the same thing actually. The resting postures for me were the biggest take away from Gota, even though i got many other things but just that alone um made my body feel a lot better just you know being in size of position i didn't do size of for 10 15 years and then even just accessing that for five minutes feels amazing it lets the neural nervous system in the legs relax right so that's a great mm-hmm. insight there and sleeping fetal i always did it and even as a chiropractor th- there's debate it's like what should how people should sleep, we don't know, right? So um, fetal for me actually is the position that I find the most comfortable now that I've been playing with it on the ground. Okay. So when I'm in fetal, I I get in that position, I turn over every half hour kind of naturally, and then I'll you know, fall asleep on the ground and go to bed. So that's amazing insight. And I think that most people can take away resting on the ground as one of the easiest, lowest hanging fruits you can do to change your body that's great insight there.
1: definitely
0: yeah we we have a a, one of the viewers just commented they said young kids should spend much more time crawling as they need to learn to walk on their own moshe feldenkrais which is uh he he was a a ukrainian israeli engineer and physicist who had like a system of exercise for self-awareness he was saying that uh that he thought that premature walking caused many problems with neuroses in um into adulthood so uh we just we just lost buster on the stream he'll he'll probably sign back in in a second here he probably just exited ah. himself out we're back how do
1: i go back? how how do i get back here
0: you're here you're here yeah <laughs> we can we can hear you oh
1: Dang. camera's off. camera's on how do i swipe over
0: I think I can. I can. Yeah. We we can see you.
1: I know, but my phone is on the settings. I Uh-oh. was checking the chat. Oh,
0: <laughs> well, uh, let's see.
1: Uh, no, don't exit. Uh, come on, <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I, th- I thought that was a cool segue from the resting postures to the the crawling thing. Um, you were saying that you want you should have spent more time crawling. Um, before you started kind of getting into the physical therapy side of things, can you elaborate on what benefits doing crawling work had on you personally, and and how you incorporate that into your own training with uh, other clients?
1: Here I am. I'm sorry.
0: No worries, man. No worries. Did you did you catch any of that last bit, or did you get cut off for a, a second?
1: I got cut off for a second.
0: Okay, I was I was just saying the last question was about um was about crawling specifically and you were, you had mentioned that you kind of wish that you had spent more time crawling before you got into some of the physical therapy stuff. What in your mind um does crawling benefit for you personally and, and why would you incorporate that into someone else's program?
1: Um crawling it's a regression to walking. Hmm. And when you think about it it really teaches the body how to coordinate. And what crawling would have, what more crawling would have done for me, it specifically would have strengthened my ankles because my ankles, um, they are they are turned out right now. So, well, my feet are turned out. So if I crawled and I, you know, took more time and really focused on just that crawling and getting that coordination pattern down. I really believe that, you know, doing a little bit more crawling earlier in my life would have fixed my walking gait much, much quicker.
0: And then, so do you think people who are, you know, well into their adulthoods and who are trying to fix their gait mechanics, do you think they should spend just as much time crawling as they are trying to you know learn how to set bows and corners in a walking capacity, or is it kinda more supplemental once you're an adult
1: they go they go hand in hand because <clears throat> the bow when you bring your uh when you bring your leg forward that's when you set the bow and when you that foot that's behind you. You're always set in, the, set in the corner because Gota is all about landing, releasing, and then you reset. So you land, release, reset. When you go forward, you're moving in a bow, and then the leg behind you, that's cornering. So you're really, um, it's like you're landing, you're leaving, you're landing when you start off in a squat, you're on the ground. And then when you leave, you're cornering the hip. And then when you go back down, you're resetting. So it's all one big cycle.
0: Mm-hmm. When would you prescribe crawling work for someone? What kind of problems do you think it could help a person solve?
1: With, um, with crawling
0: or just yeah. a go-to-regimen period? I mean, if you say say you have a client and they're struggling, maybe they'd be struggling with a like the cornering. Like, what what point would you prescribe crawling to someone who's trying to practice go-to or just in a program in general?
1: Um, first of all, I would need to assess um how well they could crawl, mm. and if they couldn't crawl very well, I really get them into some of the groundwork drills uh doing child rockers, uh going side to side in a 45 degree set. And then I would also have them do um toe tuck rockers, which is where you tuck your toes and you just rock back and forth because when you tuck your toes and when you're rocking and you're doing you know that particular drill, it fixes some it it helps somebody that doesn't have an arch in their feet. Uh, The toe tuck rockers also helps someone that has crooked feet like me, so toe tuck rockers is another drill that I do each and every single day. I also have a pigeon hip stretch that I do every single day to really help open up my hips, and I can also talk about the bow and corner within the uh, hip stretch as well.
2: Yeah, so so let's talk about that. The the bow and corner. Um, you you were saying you had I can't hear you. Back. Um, can you hear me now?
1: I can still barely kind of hear you.
2: Can you hear me, Anthony?
0: Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay, my volume is pretty maxed out, but like your your volume's a little low today.
2: Okay. Um. Well, I was saying you were saying that you uh have trouble accessing the bow. Other than the pigeon pose that you were just saying, is there any other um, go to movement that you do to try to access that bow to try to get it back?
1: Yes. um, I also have this drill where um, I stand up against the wall and I put like a yoga block in between my uh, in between my legs and I stand in what's called the go to deck. And the deck is just there as like a, a placeholder to hold my feet down. And I just practice putting uh I just practice or I just stand there with the block being a um uh, being an assistant to help me kind of open my legs and get used to that uh that those hips opening after I do my groundwork.
2: So it sounds like you have to really improvise which could probably help you out um i imagine when you're working with clients uh you're able to improvise for them really well because goda is a lot about very specific (coughs) motions in the body right so you do have to look at let's say uh you know a hip that's internally or externally rotating you have to have the eye for it and you have to know how to tweak it so um could you speak on that how you know having experience what you've experienced with CP, how that helps you in the coaching.
1: That really helps me because it's um, like you were saying, it really does help me improvise for um, clients that have specific uh, conditions similar to mine. And it also helps people look at it from a different scope. You know, a lot of go to movements you see, people standing but for the most part i'm on the ground and most people don't take the time or understand that the underrated component about goda is the groundwork and once you understand the child rockers the uh the pigeon pose and the various uh and so much so many things that you can do on the ground to um help you get better and it's some things that you know I'll leave alone for a couple months and I'll just spend months on the basics and then I'll go back to a more complex move a couple months later and I'm like hey I can do this now as to where I couldn't do it before because I quote unquote regressed back down to the ground and really focused on honing in on the basics so that I can continue to, I may have to regress here, but that's fine. You know, once I master or feel like I'm comfortable, I can go back up. I can go back up, I can go back down. And if somebody needs help in a specific area, I can prescribe this and I can get help with this. And after a while, over years and years and years and years and uh, every day doing what I call daily doses, I, I eventually saw improvements and I was able to help someone else. A year ago, one of my clients, he wasn't able to do a complete squat or a complete hinge, but thanks to the programming that I gave him, he can do a squat, he can do a hinge, and he still uses my method and some of the things that I've taught him through Gota till this day. So I'm happy and excited about that.
0: Yeah, one of the things that really blew me away about adopting some of the Gota stuff is I I regressed way back to the most basic stuff as well. A lot of the stuff that I was doing was just child rockers or even child rockers with a little bit of a leg corner. And that was like, 80% 80% of what I was doing. And I was shocked at just how, you know, I was implementing just these basic, basic movement patterns. And this is after years of trying to do like really complicated <laughs> gymnastics stuff, really convoluted mobility drills. Like I was doing everything that I could to just feel comfortable in my body and feel mobile and to feel good and it was just doing this this basic groundwork more than anything else that made my body feel so comfortable and even now I'm you know i'm running like miles a week and that which doesn't sound like you know anything crazy but i've never ran in my life and i'm not stiff i'm not sore like i remember when i was weightlifting or i tried to do cardio i could push myself pretty hard but i'd be like stiff and sore for like days at a time afterwards. And right now it's like, I'm, you know, I'm doing go to and I'm running and I'm, you know, doing these drills and I'm pushing myself hard sometimes doing this basic stuff, but my body always feels good. (laughs) You know, it's one of these things it's like, I don't have, right. I might be sore, but I'm not bound up in the same way that I used to be when I was training hard.
1: Exactly. I train six days a week. (laughs) And When I was weightlifting primarily, I could only train, I'd say, maybe three to four days a week, but I like training so much. It's uh, so much of a wonderful hobby for me, not only because I have to, but I actually like doing it. Uh, I'm glad I can train six days a week. I don't do anything on Sunday, and I might slip up and do a little bit of something on Sunday, but for the most part, (laughs) I work out six days a week, twice a day.
0: What's your routine look like right now if you're doing you're doing double um, sessions
1: um let's see. um I work out every morning once I get up, have my daily prayer and watch the news and things like that. I'll work out for about thirty minutes just to get my body going, and if I have a client, I'll prepare for them. You know normally, I have a client at eight in the morning, and then I have a class on Thursdays. But pretty much I get most of my recode work done at night because uh college basketball is always on. So I'll wait till the game comes on and I'll just listen to the game. And the games last about two or three hours. So I'm just really just on the ground getting it, uh, just just really working just hundreds and hundreds of reps. Like I get to a point where I don't even count. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I train for reps and I also train for time, you know, and, I'm, and I try to make sure that everything's perfected and correct, correct form and everything like that. And I post videos just to show people what I'm doing, and people have noticed that my training has changed over time, but it's all about that, all comes with maturity. And I feel like with mature, uh, with Age and progress, and you understanding your body and doing what makes you feel happy and fulfilled. I feel like that's important.
2: Absolutely. Um, I I have to ask. I I saw a video of you doing the handstand push-ups, um, and I I was wondering how how did you get that strong? How did you get to the uh, ability to do a handstand push-up or multiples?
1: Man, um, handstand push-ups, actually, I've learned how to do those by accident. You see, growing up, I always knew how to do a handstand. My my mom and dad had got me, my brother and sister, a pool, so my mom said I'd be like eight or nine years old doing handstands in the pool, so I always did handstands, but when I got to high school, I want to say it was, like, 10th grade, and I was at wrestling practice, and the and Coach was sending everybody on a water break, and he's like, uh, Buster, go take water break. And I was like, I'm good, Coach, I'm good. So I'm doing, like, handstands, and I'm trying to walk on my hands, but I press up, and then I fall. So I'm like, dang. I'm like, so I try again. And I press up, I'm coming down, and then I did a push-up, and I was like, whoa, what the world? And it's like, you know, everybody was clapping and happy, and I was like, what? I can do handstand push-ups. So the thing was, going to different areas in the state, wrestling and things like that, my coach would always get me to do like a set of handstand push-ups in the middle of the map where everybody could see. So all you could see is kids' eyes just going like this and opposing parents and opposing teams be like, who are these guys and who is this guy? (laughs) So I was kind of responsible for putting a little fear factor into some people. And needless (laughs) to say, it worked.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. How do you make those go to? Inside wrist bone high as you're doing them, or
1: pretty much. I don't. I don't do handstand push-ups as much as I used to anymore because I was. That's all I became known for, and I really wanted to be uh be more diverse as I became a personal trainer. So, I just I just whip them out every once in a while, you know. Yeah, I just want to be known for doing uh. A little bit more complex things, but I'm not ashamed that I'm known for doing handstand push-ups because <laughs> that's my stick.
2: Sometimes that uh the algorithm pushes it out on uh Instagram. That's probably why I saw it there. <laughs>
0: I uh, do, do. Do you keep any of the strength training component right now? Because I'm 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 pretty much like adopting GoDa as like my full-time training and movement practice. And one of the things that I get asked a lot is like, well, are you keeping any of the strength training stuff that you're doing? And I'm on the fence about it, right? Because I'm like, you know, I could add some bowing and cornering, upper body stuff. And I could add like a little bit of strength work here and there. But I don't want to touch a barbell at all. And, you know, we both have the strength training background. Is there anything that you keep or that you would consider keeping in the strength training world as you're approaching a go to practice?
1: I, uh, I keep like the sets and reps and things like that. I always train in like, like um, multiples of 10, Ten's a good number, Ten's a round number. So I might do 50, 50, rockers. Um, I may spend like, I may do like 50 rockers, uh, 50 toe tuck rockers, something like that. And then I might spend like five minutes in the hip stretch on one side, go five minutes or another stretch. And from time to time I'll um, take out the slant boards and I'll do push-ups. And a lot of people don't believe me when I say this, but I've never taken creatine or any uh, any type of supplement. You know, people look at my physique and they're just blown away and, my mom till this day, she keeps asking me if I take anything. And it's like, no, mom, no. I do not take anything. And I I do not take anything because I came from a uh you know, the people that taught me weightlifting, man, I came from an old school background. They didn't they didn't believe in supplements, you know. I lifted with some older gentlemen. You know, the guys with the chalk on their hands, you know, <laughs> and to this day, I don't wear gloves when I'm grabbing weights. And they're like, bro, how can you not, how do you not need gloves? I'm like, bro, I, I train with older people. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know how it is.
0: I, I Yeah, well, I mean, we, we we were the guys with the chalk on our hands, you know, like that was, uh, we both came from like a powerlifting CrossFit background, right? So that's the... That was the, the lifestyle for a while. We got we got Alex Romero saying, go to fam, checking in. We got Arthur, Custom Needs is back. Buster is my guy. What's up, guys? If you guys are watching this live Yo! on no Filter Net, if you guys want to join in this stream, you can hit the knock button. This is a fully interactive platform. So if you actually want to be a part of this podcast right now and you're on NoFilter.net listening to this live, hit the knock button if you want to join us. And that's uh, that's a way more fun and interactive way to do a and a
1: Yo, got Arthur in the building and Alex, man. Alex, be showing me lots of love on Twitter. Shout out, Alex.
2: Nice. So I I was watching a, uh, I think it was a YouTube uh, podcast and you were on it with Gil and Ricky and uh, uh, Gary was on there as well. And you were saying you're stuck in a hinge. What does that mean? I wrote that down
1: because I'm um, like, I wonder what he means When I'm that. stuck in a hinge, like, um, you know how when your knees knock together? Yeah. That's pretty much, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, back then, my knees don't knock anymore, by the way. You know, go to help with that too. But anyway, back then, when I was walking, my knees would always touch and bump together. So I'm like stuck in a hinge and cornering was the only thing that i was good at by default because i was stuck in that hinge <laughs> so that's kind of a a running joke that me and gilly kind of have with each other
2: so in, in terms of functional results how how um different is your gait now how much more improvement have you had since Gota with actual functional movement of your gait?
0: Um, with
1: my gait, um, that's still an ongoing process, but I no longer walk with my walker anymore. I'm pretty much, uh, pretty much mobile and I can get anywhere I want to and I don't have to depend on my walker. Uh, there was a point in time where, you know, if I forgot my walker, I would be having these, uh, moments where I felt like I was going to fall and, you know, through Goda and having more confidence in my body and being able to move and being able to be more durable, I no longer have those trepidations. And I'm working on trying to continue to build my body so I can test how good I can run in about, I want to say, October, November around my birthday. Cause I ran back in like, uh, last year, November, and it got a lot of likes on uh, Instagram and whatnot, but, uh, Gilly, he kind of dinged me and he said, I know you want to run and stuff like that, but you know, you gotta just take your time. You don't want to run on flat tires. (laughs) I'm (laughs) I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it again in November though. So. That gives right. me enough time to build up for it, you know, I think do the year long
2: progress.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: I think Gilly's huh? right on about that. I was, uh, I was sprinting about two years ago when I realized that I was dropping inside ankle bone low, uh, to the max on my right. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to give up sprinting for a couple of years and just do a little bit slower runs and make sure I'm built back up to get to a place where I'm confident in doing that. So I think you're correct. In, uh, or Gil was correct in slowing it down a little bit. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that post when you do it. Yeah,
1: um, but that's what I was telling you about the crawling and the regression phase of having to regress down to um, simpler movements. A lot of people look at regressions as a bad thing, but sometimes we need to regress. Sometimes we do need to go back to the basics and really really build that structure. and. And that's what I feel like I'm going through now with the groundwork. I only do like four basic drills right now: the the rockers and you know the the going side to side, the 45 degree rockers, really learning how to load my hips and things like that. So uh, I like to keep. Well, I'm I'm in the process of keeping my regimen simple, but I will throw variations here and there so i can show people my progress.
0: Hmm. When people are doing things like let's let's take the child rocker. When people start doing child rockers, what do you see people doing wrong a lot of the times? So is there is there like a wrong way to do child rockers?
1: Uh there there's a wrong way. Some people um they come too far forward and the best thing to do is to go as far as your body allows you. When you start breaking down when you start going too far forward and you're about to fall flat on your face, uh stop. <laughs> and you gotta also make sure that you're able to keep your toes toes in. You can't let your uh can't let your feet collapse and uh go inside ankle bone low. Because when you let your feet collapse and you're going inside ankle bone low, that goes back to that uh creating that valgus pattern or that 90-90 pattern that you see commonly where people have their inside ankle bone driven into the ground. And it's like that destroys your hip because Mm. it pulls your hip away from your core.
0: Interesting. You know, I used to do the the 90s all the time when I was in CrossFit because I thought it was like, oh, it's a hip mobility drill. You're getting the internal and the external rotation. You're saying it like destroys your hips because of how it's pulling your hip distally. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's not a lot. And you're not necessarily, you're not, you're not getting the proper rotation in that ankle. Mm. And it's not necessarily a safe pattern that I would want my clients or anybody to train in.
2: Yeah, I found the same thing, like um, right now, doing goda and staying in, in the math, staying in that 22-5 uh, territory. I've been do- getting a lot more out of the stretches. I-, I would say they're more loaded stretches than I did when I was going, you know, full 90 degrees with the hips, making sure that everything's on the ground. It just works out better in the end when you're keeping in the to math. So that's a good insight there.
1: Definitely, definitely. I like uh
2: I like doing doing like the
1: hip stretch that I was telling you about. That's really helping me uh really open my hips and gain access to different different areas that I haven't felt before. So I'm just gonna keep cranking along with those and I'm gonna continue to practice walking too because I can even notice and Arthur can attest to this, my left foot is getting straighter and straighter month by month, so, uh, I'm happy about that, uh, my right leg, my right, my right side is my weak side, so that's pretty stubborn, but it's coming along, it's coming along.
0: When you have a weak side, do you spend more time on that side, or do you pretty much do equal amounts of work for both sides regardless?
1: I have to, uh, spend more time on the right side, because I'm, uh, I'm having to really get down into the to the hip capsule or whatever's um whatever's ailing or what's really sticky and that right side is really sticky so I'm I'm like maybe if I spend 1 minute on my left side I might spend 3 to 4 minutes on my right side to make sure you know that I know for a fact that it is loose and that I can move fluidly through space like I should. Yeah, I
2: have I have basically the same thing on my right side. So, do you do you work with other people with uh CP as well? or do you have any um like,
1: what that's right? what i really want to do that that's my that's my end goal i want to work with others with cp and i want to work with others that have similar um conditions to mine uh and i'm a personal trainer at clarity fitness in uh in atlanta and i currently have have one of the members she attends my class every Thursday. Her name's Elizabeth, and she's in a wheelchair, and she's not, quote-unquote, as uh, mobile as I am, per se, so she can't necessarily get down on the ground, per se, but she can, um, we do work out together, we do work, you know, with the weights, and we just work within her capacity, and she really enjoys the class. And I've been able to implement some of the things that I've learned from uh, um physical uh, from occupational therapy with her as well to make sure that her hands and things are um, continue to stay loose and things because that's what my ultimate goal is. Also, like I said in the beginning, uh, my training is a little bit different because I want to make sure that whoever works with me, I want to make sure that there are more functional for everyday life because a lot of people, they work out for a hobby. But for me, and, you know, I'm pretty sure tons of others like me, we work out for our survival. If we can't use our hands, if we don't know how to to open a door without assistance, how are we going to be able to make it in this world? How are we going to be able to function? And that's what I, that's what my ultimate goal is. So I even have hand drills that I do on the slat boards to make sure that my hands and my fingers are are um, functioning properly.
2: Could you speak on that a little bit? What, what are they? What are those, um, uh, those drills?
1: My drills? See my hand? See my hand?
0: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, we can see it. Like, for example,
1: I will hold my hand out and I'll just do like this.
0: Yeah, and so touching, touching your thumb to each I'll, finger. I'll open, open my hand
1: and then I rotate my wrist and then I'll go back in the other direction and <clears throat> and on the slant boards, I'll um because they're rough, so they're rough, so I'll put my fingers together and I'll practice opening them and I'll close them. I'll open, close, and then what else? I'll practice bending my finger, uh bending my fingers. Because that gives that gives the same effect as uh, the toe tuck rockers. When you bend your toes, that helps you load your ankles, and it really um, really helps you bend your foot. <laughs> Just like how your your hands have to bend, your feet have to bend too. So that's kind of what I'm also teaching myself how to put weight. Uh, how to load my ankles how to load my hips because that's that's what i really missed from um, physical therapy and growing up and it's no shot or any this i don't want anybody to think that it's just with technology and time what we knew back then is completely nothing to what we know now Mm. fast forward 20 30 years you know
2: yeah, you have to be on the right map, though, as well, right? And that's where yeah. uh, we're to come in. Um, mm-hmm. It's great insight what you said about the hand, because with my, with my hands, I, I'm a chiropractor. I work with them every day. Um, for the longest time, they were sore. And I just never gave love in particular to my fingers, uh, never worked on my tactile feedback in, in you know, my hands. And uh, just doing, you know, five minutes every few days. Has has worked wonders within pain in the joints and and uh, just even using your hand, you know. So that that's great insight there. And when you were mentioning a toe tuck in the child rocker, do you actually mean curling the toes in as you're doing it?
1: Hey, you know how like your um, you get up on the you you get on the balls of your feet, you yeah. bend your toes.
0: So oh, you're so digging you're your toes into the ground or into the ground. Mhm. Yeah. So it's like it's almost like you would be stretching them out as you're putting you're pushing the ball of the foot into the ground while the toes are stretched in that child rocker position. So when you when you rock back presumably, you get that stretch in the ankle and the toes.
2: Okay, yeah. Mhm. Yeah, I
0: I'm trying to do it. That's actually like the hardest thing in the world for me to do cuz my feet always want to turn in as soon as I tuck my toes there I get the tightest ankles in the freaking world It's crazy So I'm going to I'm gonna have to do that I'm going to have to put on some college ball And just spend two hours doing those toe rockers
1: Definitely They were They were uh, they were a bit difficult for me When I first started doing them too uh, And Doing the toe tucks man Your hips feel so narrow <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like I've never gotten used to the narrow feeling, but I'm like, I just got to keep doing it, you know, because mm. uh, like Shaquille O'Neal says, the definition of excellence is anything you do repeatedly, good or bad.
0: That's, that's very true. So I want to I wanna put out a last call for anyone who wants to ask questions, who is watching live right now. If you guys want to hit the knock button, you want to join. Now would be the time to do it because we're going to be wrapping up kind of soon. In terms of um, mindset stuff, because I think you have one of the most optimistic, positive like mindsets in the world. Where do you see people's mindsets kind of falter? And what advice would you give for people around mindset?
1: Uh, mindset, for me, um, you have to have an extraordinary amount of Belief in whatever it is that you set your mind to. You know, I'm from a small town of Thompson, Georgia. That's a town about an hour and a half south of Atlanta. And a lot of people, how can I say, there's not too many high expectations if you're born with a disability into the world, period. But when you have God, when you have parents, and when you have family members that tell you what you're going to do, give you this blueprint that you have to follow and you're going to follow, and you you have the right support system around you saying that, yes, yes, we believe in you. Whatever you touch, we're going to support you, and my family and my friends have always been there to support me. And to lead and guide me into the directions. And the best thing that my family ever taught me, especially my father, was nobody in the world owes you anything. You can sit around and you can cry and you can pout all you want. But it's not going to change anything. It's not going to change. Because if you stay in one place and if you're going to give up on yourself, then there is nothing that you're going to do to change it. There's nothing that you can do. But once you take that first step, once you take that first inch of effort, just that one inch, that's what makes that's what makes it worthwhile. And and I can say to myself that I never believed I was the smartest person. I never believed that I was the strongest. And I damn sure I wasn't the fastest either, cause I couldn't run without my walker. But the thing that I did do was I tried, I failed, but I kept trying until I got it right. I kept falling, I kept getting back up. I got knocked down, I kept getting back up. You know, you know like I say, I lost 150 wrestling matches in my career and I got frustrated, I got tired, but I kept getting back up because I believed that eventually I was going to be able to break through. So that's that's my that's my whole thing. Um, you gotta always believe in yourself, and always remember that nothing lasts forever. Nothing in life truly lasts forever. So I just want everybody out there to put whatever it is they believe in, whatever whatever gift, on or they feel like they want to uh attack or accomplish, then do it. But you gotta be able to be on the right path. You gotta be able to find the right support system. But it starts within it starts within yourself, saying that self, today is the day I'm gonna make a change for the better. Today is when the day where I'm gonna get up off my couch. Today is the day where I'm gonna finally start that business. Or today's the day when I'm finally gonna ask that girl out I've been wanting to ask, you know, quote unquote. But anyway, that's pretty much my mindset. And that's what I really wanna encourage people.
2: That's sage and timely advice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna play that back, really. Yeah, uh, we're gonna, I'm
0: gonna, gonna, gonna save that as a clip. That's gonna be my new ringtone. <laughs> I'm like gonna to listen to that every day, man. This is uh well, sir,
2: I'd like to thank, thank you. you for for coming on. That was uh, truly inspirational. I got a lot of great tips from you there as well. So uh we'd love to have you on again.
0: Yeah, and we will we will have you on for another Anytime. episode, man. Thank you so much for joining and for everyone who is listening live thank you for joining us on nofilter.net if you're listening on spotify or itunes you can help us grow this podcast by leaving a review sending a rating and sharing this with your friends if you found it useful or inspiring um you can also see our upcoming shows at nofilter.net where we do these live streams that you can interact with you can enter the live chat and you can even hit the knock button Join in and chat with us in person. This was episode 36 of The Art of Move with Buster the Strongman. If you wanted to see Buster on Instagram, he is at Buster underscore the underscore strongman. Go check him out. He has awesome content. He's a great dude, and we're looking forward to having him back on. Thanks so much for joining us today, Buster. You too.
2: Yeah, we'll
1: Take see you care. later, guys.